Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And I'm sure if President Priest had had the opportunity, he would claim that as a win. Uh huh. Yeah, he'd 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 have it. So you said your granddad's posterity is almost at one thousand. As of two thousand nine, it was a thousand. A a thousand. So he's got twelve wives, and he's had as many as fifteen. Three have died of old age. Wow! And is is that number worn as kind of a badge of honor? Oh yeah, absolutely. Would they sit around kind of the the pecking order around the um the table at priesthood meeting and you'd look at the guy with who'd hit a thousand and be like, Wow, check you out, Noah. No <laughs> No, it was it was it, it's just one of it's it's unspoken. It just it's just one of those unspoken obvious things. One thing about Mormonism is there's so many passive aggressive things happening. And so the, you could definitely say that was one of them that wasn't directly talked about, but it was kind of like implied, like, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal, you know? Wow. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think we, we do that in the mainstream church, but it, it's more around how many chairs you can carry when you're clearing up afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Flirting Showing with off. Girls, like how many chairs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We would clear out chairs, too. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's like it's almost like pe- peacocking. Uh, oh, hundred percent peacock, hundred percent peacocking. Awesome. So someone's asked an interesting question here, which I think is quite, quite good. Now, Doug Vincent asked, "Did you have the internet in your home?" Oh yeah, that's a really great question. Um, we didn't have the internet. I don't remember having the internet until I was eighteen. Okay. And is it, is it something that your siblings living at home now would have access to? Yes, because right now they've done a lot of their school on online. So yes, they do have access to it now. And do they find that there's issues with, I guess, some of the information that they might find with regards to yeah. church history or? Yeah. One of the things that sets the work apart from Warren Jeff's version of FLDS is they would you could consider them far more progressive and far more liberal and so one of the liberal things is the kids got to have the internet you know at 18. um they could buy clothes as long as it was anywhere from the store as long as it was long sleeves and covered up your garments uh so that's that's part of the if you might call it some of the progressive liberal side if, if, if that's even a possibility in such a dynamic uh but uh, yes but i but for whatever reason i wasn't there was internet wasn't available and uh i was closely watched on when i was getting on the computer and so forth yeah and i think yeah. back then i think it was the same same for me but i think my parents were more watching out for porn and things like that rather than yeah uh, church history but these days i think at least in our meetings they've stopped talking about uh the evils of pornography and different things and now they're just talking about the evils of truth found on the yes. internet um, yeah did, did i did i i heard something going around in the ex-mormon community 
that the LDS Church says that you can now uh, do soaking, and it's uh, no. no longer <laughs> no. Uh, that it was. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting <laughs> to get kind of an I say an outsider's <laughs> view, um, yeah. but um, soaking was something. It's it's really old in when I say really old. It's been around for a while, but it just hit kind of the secular community that Mormons, especially in Provo, uh, at BYU, do this thing called soaking, where mm. they they treat co- they treat God like a dinosaur, and they're like, if you don't move, he can't see us. So they get into bed together, and um, they they basically have intercourse, but they don't move around. So mm-hmm. the action, the, the bad thing is not kind of coupling together. It's the moving mm-hmm. around. And for oh, me, maybe. what's the point? What's the point if you're uh-huh. not going to move around? But then there's something called the Provo jump, where what you do, what they do, I don't know how true it is, but what they do is they, they get into the soaking position and then get one of their friends to jump on the bed next to them. So they're involved involuntarily moving oh my goodness i i just think that's what you get if you get enough eagle scouts together who really want to have sex (laughs) that's right i'll take one for the (laughs) that's they they will they will find a way um yeah so being with with a a thousand i guess people coming from your granddad it is going to be statistically uh certain that some of those thousand uh will be members of the lgbtq community uh-huh how is that navigated i guess what is that one of the because the mormon church now or the mainstream mm-hmm. mormon church now is embracing those people and gaslighting them by saying we never hated you we mm-hmm. we love you it's it's a trial that you have to bear but what how does that work from your side of things so these guys are they they have no no problem addressing this head on and uh gay being gay or being homosexuality in the work is considered a sin and if you engage in homosexuality with the this then uh, that's that's the same as fornication, or uh, uh, it, it goes against all the all of their teaching because all the teachings is about God and a, a woman coming together, and so there there's no place for anybody from the LGBT community in the work uh, except repentance. Okay. And so so you so you better you better repent and quit thinking of other guys' buttholes. Oh you know what? This is the place to say it. But... Sorry, every, everyone's just switched off. Um, so the 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 mainstream LDS church are now making a distinction. So in the past, it's always been homosexuality is wrong. Any form of homosexuality is yeah. sin, uh, which I think is yeah. what I'm hearing is where yeah. the the work is. But yeah, what 100%. they've done is. Uh, a PR thing over the last 10, 15 years, they've split homosexuality into two camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon, pardon the pun. 
they've <laughs> yeah they've they've gone with um same sex attraction which is mm-hmm. thinking of other guys or girls mm-hmm. depending on your where you are and yeah, that's okay exactly. and then they've yep. gone to the physical acting upon those feelings and that's mm-hmm. wrong that's the sin right so what they've done is they've um they've pivoted to say you can stay in the church you can have a temple recommend have the priesthood hold a calling as long mm-hmm. as you don't act upon your feelings right is that a distinction that the work makes uh well yeah you certainly can't act on it so you can think you can be attracted to a guy a guy can be attracted to another guy um and so forth but if he wants to be exalted in the celestial kingdom as a god the only pathway to do that is with being married to a woman or multiple wives uh do you so, have to be married to, do you have to be married to those women in this life to be exalted do you have to live polygamy on this earth or can you be exalted by living it in the next life only if if, if it was presented to you as an option like if you it, uh, then yes uh but it's but it but it's but you can for example there's been some guys that have died in the in the work that only had one wife yeah. and uh they're not gonna i've heard it at their funerals how they're not going to be robbed of their exaltation and they'll be able to live polygamy in the next life and all that because through okay. proxy they can have other women married to them and, and all that so so yes it's it's not it's not an absolute um but if you but if the priests come to you and say hey we, we think you should marry this these two girls or these three women um, and you say no you're effectively saying no to one of god's highest principles or one of god's highest laws uh, so in that effect, then that that would that would be an offense against God to to say no to that. Yeah, it's just more of that reinforcing the arranged marriage and the fact that you really don't have any choice in the matter. Yeah, because it's not yep. just saying no to that; it's what you lose as well. So if you oh yeah, if you already had several wives, and the church came to you, president priest has sat you down and said. I know you've already got 50 children, you've got five wives, but there's this sister, it's been revealed to me that you need to take this sister on. She's got 15 kids already, um, and you know the sister, you're really not down with it. You don't need Mm -hmm. all those extra mouths to feed, you're already struggling. But what's what's the consequence of you saying no? other than the eternal consequence that they lay on you, is there any immediate consequence in your community? Um, not that I'm not that I'm aware of, other than they won't call you. They may not ever ask for another woman to ever marry you again. So that's something that could be that you may you may forego your opportunity to ever be married again. Uh, and so uh, so as so as ours immediately now, there's no other browbeating or you may not they may pass you on a calling even uh so you know because you're not god is offering you something you're saying no to so they don't trust you so how do callings work in in your side of things uh most from my understanding is it goes through the everything goes to the top it's all about the, the men at the top who make the final decision on the callings so that would be who we call or are called the apostles 
Okay, so what what sort of callings for yourself as a twenty one year old uh, married man? What sort of callings there, would you be given? There may not be a ton of callings for somebody that young. Um, the callings could the the callings could be uh, something as simple as, "Hey, listen, um, we would like you to come be a teacher at the uh, in the priest class, for example." So you might have a calling to be to teach the priest class at, at priesthood meeting. Um, it could be, hey, we'd like you to go uh, give sister so-and-so a blessing. Go with you and brother so-and-so, go give sister so-and-so a blessing. One thing that's unique about the work is they don't do any proselyting. So there's no calls to uh, people for missionary work. Other, although they do have a missionary program, but the missionaries are just serving the, the local community of the of Centennial Park right there. Sometimes they'll, the, the missionaries, they'll send them out to go work for two years and then turn in all their money that they earned while they were working to the church. So not oh, only, yeah. so there is, yeah, so they'll spend two years of their life working full time, turning in their money. So that's not, not just tithing, it's all their money. And that's considered, quote, missionary work, end quote. And so those kind of callings, those kind of callings can happen those are the ones you want to avoid. Yeah. And I, yeah. And my, there was some elements to my dad that was somewhat of a rebel. And that was one area where he was a rebel for, um, he didn't, he never wanted any of his sons to be missionary. He's, he's like, shit, no, you can just, he called, oh, that's another thing. You can live the United order with me. You just go and earn your money and turn it into me. Give me all your money. <laughs> You're right. So give it to me instead of the church. You know, it can, hey, that way the money helps the family. <laughs> I was going to say you got that many people to feed. Um, yeah. Now yeah. here's a good here's a good point that Robert makes. Okay. So yeah. before we read the question, a bit of background, I guess. We've, I think, many of us have heard the story of the church in Utah um, mm -hmm. having an issue with the missionaries in the uk marrying all the pretty girls before mm -hmm. they get to the utah valley um so they're they're marrying all these girls and taking them as polygamous wives and then sending them on the wagon train to utah to wait there for them to come back off their mission mm -hmm. um so and the population split in the world is pretty much 50 50 men and women mm -hmm. so you'd imagine that if men were having more than one wife, um, mm -hmm. we, we come the to Robert's questions. So what yeah. happens when men don't get married because no available women, because those living polygamy have consumed the available women. That's a real, that's a real thing. And let, what we're talking about here is the ecosystem, the ratio of men and women that are born. Like even though there's polygamy, there's still only 50, about 50% 50 men and 50% girls that are born. I think they're, I think the ratio is like 47% to 53%. There's like 53% girls and 40%. I think that's like the official number. I'd have to look it up. But so there's right, it's in the neighborhood of 50, 50. Well, when you start giving a man two wives, three wives, four wives, five wives, and so on, it does mess that up. And so what happens is a lot of the young men who get a wife for the first time, it's pretty common uh, that the men are much older. So they, they try to get the girls married early, uh, which I could, there's a direction I could go into. They hold this class for the girls to train. It's from 13 to 18. They're holding right now to indoctrinate them on, 
uh, polygamy and so forth, but that's another direction I could talk here in a minute. But uh, what they're doing is when the, uh, the boys are usually in their mid-20s and sometimes in their 30s. I have, I have a cousin right off the top of my head right now who's in his early 30s and single. Uh, and so wow. the, the, young, the young men just go longer. And keep in mind, they're not supposed to masturbate during all this either. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so the, the men just get older and older. And uh, the president, the president priesthood, he yells at people in church. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he, he taught one of the things he yells at the young men. He says, you're, he says, you're not waiting on me, you know, yells. And he says, you're waiting on God you know, type, type of thing. And he says when you, so he defines celestial marriage is when God appoints it, whether God's appointing one marriage or multiple marriages. And so uh, they're not going to go to the real root of the problem. And that is, Hey, we just married all these girls to the, to the high up muckety mucks. Now our young dudes don't get wives. Uh, then they're going to say, no, you're waiting on God because God inspired me to marry all these gorgeous 18 and 20 year olds to the 80 year old apostles. So that doesn't happen. It does. Yeah. In fact, I had, uh, I think it was about two years ago, I had a first cousin who was 18 and she married an 80 year old apostle. Holy. I'm So I'm not making that up. Oh my In gosh. fact, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's you... common. It's common that men that are if they're it's common that men in their fifties, for example, if they get married again, they're you know they already have an established family, and they're quite often marrying women. They're marrying a woman that is younger than some of their own daughters. That's you floored me. Just a moment yeah. of silence. Um, that's crazy. Sorry. Yeah. I know it's, it's all very interesting. Uh, but that yeah. age, age gap, even today, like, 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 for example, my, 60, my father, in years. my, my wife's dad just took a polygamous wife and she's younger than my wife, which is his daughter. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So talking about that, ecosystem. That oh yeah also, so it throws off the ecosystem yeah do they also take into account i guess dna diversity when it comes to intermarrying lines they try to but if god says to do it it doesn't matter is there any room for a young man and a young woman to get to know one another and then um i guess go to president priesthood and ask for his blessing they can, and there are instances where that that happened. Uh, that happened to me in my first marriage, but they 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 frown on it. They don't say it's it's not it's not the ultimate way to do it. Uh, they teach that the ultimate way is for the the highest way, which is the God's way, the celestial way, is for the men and the women to for the priesthood to have their own inspiration that this girl belongs to this guy. And that yeah. none of them did any activities to try and stimulate each other's feelings. Kind of takes the power away. They are 100% power. So in other words, principle supersedes love. 
So love, so love is something that comes later because submission to authority is more important to love, which when I put one of part of the things that started unraveling my awakening process was here, they claim to be apostles of Christ. And then I can read in the Bible where Christ is asked, what is the most important thing? And Christ says, all the laws and all the prophecies hinge on love. If you don't have love, you're nothing, you know, just paraphrasing. And I'm like, I'm not taught. I'm not taught that in church. No, I'm taught submission to authority comes first. Then love comes later. Pure obedience. Pure obedience. So this, yeah. this for me, where my mind goes, I think of myself as a 17, 18 year old, 19 year old, lovesick kind of young man. And when you have that attraction to someone of your own age, yeah, and then that girl who you were never, because I'm sure there must have been times when young men and young women were having relationships that were secret off the books, and then oh, that yes. young woman, that young woman is say being given to that young man's grandfather or yes, that has you happened. Up, you end up with some kind of adultery. Uh, yeah, because the relationship. I don't think maybe I'm prejudging or assuming that the grandfather is going to be able to do everything for that young lady that kind of make her heart jump and stuff the way that his grandson did. And you end <laughs> up with a really, a really difficult situation there. Yep. Yeah. I do know of some firsthand experiences around that firsthand incidences around that. Is there any way to get around that or? They just have to leave together. Um, well, there's nothing if they're if they if the marriage is final. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to do. It just has to play itself out. Wow. Now you spoke about missionary work. Do you get many people, yeah. I guess, joining the work um, to help it grow from no. outside? It happens from time to time, but it's extremely rare. It's usually people that join are are fascinated by the origins of Mormonism and also that has something to do with polygamy. Uh, but it's extremely rare. It, you rarely get converts. Yeah. And I think if you're fascinated by polygamy, there are easier ways to find out um, what's going on than practicing it. Um, yeah, exactly. So, and a lot, a lot less inexpensive. Yeah. So when it comes to getting married, you you have the legal wedding then the priesthood wedding now when uh, in the mainstream mormon church when you get married and your priesthood wedding in the temple beforehand you've gone through a washing and anointing you've received mm -hmm. your garment then you've gone mm -hmm. through an, an endowment where you receive your signs and tokens and then yeah. you have the um the wedding with both the bride and the groom dressed in the robes of the holy priesthood and you exchange yeah. vows and, and signs um is that similar to what they do in the work no they don't have a temple they don't uh it's extremely rare for somebody to even get their first endowment uh for what for whatever reason so usually what happens is uh there's you might be married in one of the apostles' homes, or you might, in my case, I was married, 
I was married, my first wife, I was married in one of the apostles' house, and my second wife, I was married in my dad's library in his house. Um, so it's, so it's, it's generally, a, you're generally married in a home. Uh, and there's no ordinance work prior to that. And another thing about the, when I talked about garments earlier, the garments that the people wear, those are preparatory garments. They're not even the official church garments. And so the garments uh, that, that, I, that I wore were garments that my mo- one of my mothers made. And there's also some people in the community or the work that would make, they were, they're called preparatory underwear. It's to prepare you to receive the priesthood underwear. And we, and so we, I wore those faithfully. Yeah. I wore those faithfully and, and I never got the church priesthood, priesthood ones. And I, I remember asking my grandfather about that and I'm like, I'm, I pay my tithing. I obey the commandments. I do everything. I, I was in my early twenties when I asked him this and um, I says, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to get the, my first endowment and I to get the priesthood underwear. And he, he paused for a moment. He goes, as far as the priesthood and I are concerned, we are in the middle of eternity. So if the point, the, if, if you have gotten your character to where you can receive them, and if for some reason you don't receive them in this life, you will get them in the next life. Which to me was the big cop out. And, uh, and the question for me at that time in, in the back of my head was, well, what's the whole point of the restoration and the point of Mormonism? We're supposed to be able to have it now. And so now you're telling yeah. now now I'm getting backpedaled on and saying, no, you may not get it in this life, but no big deal. You can do it. You can get it on the next. So this preparatory underwear that you had to wear, what what was it? Preparatory. It was white preparatory underwear. It's a one piece. It's a one piece long underwear um, with a little butt flap, so you can pull the butt flap open to, to use the potty. Um, and sometimes we could go buy them at a local farmer store, like we have an IFA here, and th- that would do. And then just a just one piece that you just put on, and and then you so, have all your regular clothes. I'm assuming that the priesthood garment that they that if you advance that you would get was just the same thing, but with the marks sewn into it. Yeah, all the signs and the emblems and so forth. But these didn't have any of the signs and emblems, of course. They were just the yeah, yeah. preparatory so underwear. How how many endowments were there uh, within the work? Uh, I was taught that there was three. There was your first, your second, and then your third is when Christ lays his hands on your head and grants you your eternal salvation and all that. Yeah, and I think for, I guess, to to compare the two next to one another in mainstream Mormonism, uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Clay, but what you Mm -hmm. were speaking about with regards to your first endowment is the washing and anointing and where you get your, your garment. The second endowment in the work is what the mainstream Mormon church would just call the endowment session where you mm-hmm. receive the robes of the holy priesthood um, signs and tokens and mm-hmm. then your third endowment which is now a secret in the mainstream Mormon church is mm-hmm. the uh, your call and election being made sure um, yes and, and we've had some people who've had that and then left the church and told everyone about it and funnily enough at least in the mainstream mormon side of things jesus never made an appearance 
Uh, oh, imagine, imagine that. I'm surprised yeah. I didn't even get to, I'm surprised I didn't even get a proxy Jesus or something. You know, at least. Yeah, just I some mean, guy to walk in and be like, I'm here for Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah, he could have been, yeah, with smoke and mirrors, and uh, uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you could have had some Jesus character appear out of the smoke, you know. It's it's like the, the whole Santa thing at the Christmas party. It's not the real Santa, it's one of Santa's helpers. It's just exactly. Like it's not the exactly. real Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was busy. He couldn't be here for your salvation ceremony. Yeah, no, awesome. <laughs> Okay, I know we're running short, short on time, but a couple more questions to ask, um, and then we'll start wrapping up. Um, and yeah. someone's asked, um, what happened with your first wife? Oh, yeah, that's a great question, Doug. Uh, so she, I was still in the thick of the work at the time, and she didn't want anything to do with it. And so she essentially left, and we ultimately divorced. Uh, and then the church arranged another wife for me. And, uh, and so I had one daughter with my first wife and she actually, she actually died four and a half years ago That's from, uh, yeah, she had a, she had a, some kind of issue in her brainstem and, uh, it, it burst and it actually took her really quick. So, so yeah, that's what happened. Okay. No, fun. So starting to wrap up now. From your side of things, or from from the mainstream Mormon side of things, when we look at polygamous sex like the FLDS, we kind of look down on them. Mm -hmm. I, I, speaking for myself, we look down on them as being backwards, living um, a sinful kind of polygamous lifestyle, and that that's all kind of worldly and it's wrong that prophets and apostles have said that we don't need to do that anymore. Uh, but do you think the same kind of looking back over the fence at us that we're wrong because we've uh, lost this massive kind of main teaching of the church? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, Growing up, the the opinion of the L, of the LDS Church, the stance was they couldn't handle Father the Priesthood, and so they got Mother the Church, and so they got the they got that's what my that's what how my grandfather used to say it. They couldn't handle Father the Priest, so they got Mother the Church, uh, and so uh, the Church could only handle milk toast, and they couldn't handle the meat of the celestial law of plural marriage. So yeah, that's that's how they look so at you, it. Yeah, so you're you're up there as being. Oh yeah, we're the world. true ones. Yeah, yeah, we're the we're we're God's chosen ones, and all those millions of FLD of LDS Mormons, they're they're just apostates following an apostate church. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, hundred uh, yeah. percent. So I know that you've seen on the Priest of Dispatches page this week. The church apologist mm -hmm. who just visited the UK from the mainstream uh -huh. Mormon church. That was unfucking believable. Yeah, sorry for the swear word. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Because I think the mainstream church have now got to the point where they accept Joseph Smith and Brigham Young's polygamy and, and everything. Yep. And they kind of say, well, it was all kind of really messy. And mm -hmm. yeah, we, we, we just don't do that anymore. Um, so let's not talk about it. 
Yep. So. Yeah. Want me to comment on what he just said? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Because I saw your comment on the page, and you basically yeah. said the same thing. That's unfucking believable. But what? <laughs> why? Okay. Because it felt like watching it. It felt like. Uh, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. They would. They would get rid of those two characters if they could. Yeah. It. it it's almost like they dirty our bathwater. It's kind of the, the 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 feeling, and we would love to just see those two go away. That was that was one aspect of it. The other aspect that I thought was unfucking believable was Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. That was a foundational teaching to Mormonism, and how they shy away from it is absolute cowardice to what Mormonism was really founded on. Yeah, and so I really do feel like. And I, I, I really want to say this. If, if you're if you're going to do something, I think you need to do it all the way and with a full amount of integrity. That's how, that's what I've come to. And, and as I have personally have stepped into integrity, that's why I'm no longer a Mormon. I'm like, no, nope, it's not for me. But if you're going to step inside the full integrity of what Mormonism teaches, the foundation, Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, you cannot bullshit yourself about polygamy. It, Joe, Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, John Taylor, they all talked about it as a cornerstone to your salvation. And so to shy away from it like how they've done is cowardice to the very thing that you're trying to say you're living to exalt yourself. Yeah, I think, I genuinely think, as you said, if they could, they would take everything not everything, but a lot of the things that Joseph taught about polygamy, about some of the treasure digging, things like that, and they would put it down the memory hole so far that we'd never find it. Um, Doug said mm -hmm. as well, as we mentioned earlier, um, they buried the fact that Brigham Young taught the Adam God. And, and I think if you spoke to the majority of younger members of the mainstream Mormon church today, and mentioned Adam God, then yeah, they would. Doug, you're absolutely correct. About. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It, they need to pull out the uh, the journals of discourses, the one of the forbidden books, the 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 books that's forbidden by the LDS Church, and uh, the it's hot and heavy inside the journals of discourse. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, but that's where the that's where the the true church. I say the true church. That's where the real church is. Because what mm -hmm. we have today is just a polished PR version. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. They would be they would be so unpopular. Like if they really taught straight up Mormonism, they would taught they would be teaching polygamy. They'd be teaching they'd be teaching the United Order, and they would be they would be excommunicating anybody who acts on any so um, homosexuality. They just cut them off, and they'd be open about it. And so, if you if you're really the true church of God, then why don't you be bold, motherfuckers, and stand on what the founders did? And here's what will happen: is you'll find out how big of a piece of shit it is if you do that. Oh my that's gosh, why I love don't. you, Clay. <laughs> why don't you be bold, motherfuckers? <laughs> you are. The, it, it's so true, though. Like at least on on one side of it you were living you know what the church was and you could say look i'm a mormon and i'm living what mormonism 
is and was. Whereas on this other side of it, it's more, I've got a card because I'm a member of this business. And I feel really good about being a member of this business because we've got all this money and it applies to my sensitive kind of sensibilities about living morally and different things. But yeah, it's total bullshit. The way that they uh, just jettison everything that the church was. Oh, we've we've lost your sound. No, we've we've lost you. Um, just whilst Clayne deals with that, this has been a fantastic interview. Um, I think not from my side of things, from Clayne's side of things. We're so grateful that he's come to talk to us because no, still can't hear you. because um, the community that he's stepped outside of now would be are, are so much more uh, militant, maybe, in the way that they live their gospel and the way that they live their lives, that when someone does leave, it's much more of a physical separation. I think we've got you back, Clayne. How about you can hear me now? Yeah, we've got you. We got you. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I heard everything you had to say. I, I agree. Uh, what I wanted to say is this before we close this is if these if integrity ever becomes important to someone's life, you'll find out that Mormonism will not live on that rock. It will crumble very quickly on the rock of pure integrity. Yeah. And what I find very interesting is the people that stay inside Mormonism is they have to break the Mormon integrity to make it look better. Like to stand inside the integrity of what the founders taught, you're going to you're going to look like a freaking moron. You're going to look like who the hell are you? Like like one of the big things that I I talk about is like if you have apostles that talk to God, this is not me being angry at these people. If you have apostles that talk to God, then why are you so behind on all the social movements? Wouldn't you be leading social movements instead yeah. of waiting to where it becomes so ridiculous that, oh, yeah, we, ought, we actually ought to embrace our LGB community? You know what I mean? It's Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you 20 years behind the, the ball? Right. Um, and and it's so obvious that that's the case as well, but yeah. I, I genuinely think it's it's down to the age of these people leading the church. You imagine now the mainstream Mormon Church has uh, a president, President Nelson, who's ninety seven. Yeah. So he he grew up in a polygamous kind of environment. He grew up where men still had polygamous wives. They didn't take new ones, but his progenitors were polygamous and he would have seen his grandfather with polygamous wives maybe his father i'm not sure and he grew up in a time when being gay was illegal and you'd be you'd go to jail and people were were killed over their sexuality and you're mm -hmm. telling me now that with that grounding he can now look objectively and and not feel like he's relinquishing his childhood his whole upbringing 
by bringing the church forward on the issue. I just think they, when when one dies, maybe the next one becomes a little more progressive, and and so on. But it's mm-hmm. it's a flawed system if you have to wait for the guy at the top to die before we can accept um, human, you know, just something that people can't change about themselves. So, yeah. But amazing. Thank you so much, Clay. We could have gone on for a lot longer, um, but yeah. it's Thanksgiving and Clayne has a family uh, to go and, and be with. So we're going to let him go in just a second. Happy Thanksgiving, I forgot to say at the beginning. Being in the UK, unfortunately, we don't get to eat our turkey until December 25th, which is fake Jesus' birthday. Uh, <laughs> but some, <laughs> something to, um, to mention on fake Jesus' birthday um, is the Priest of Dispatches War Christmas Party, which will be taking place here on the Priest of Dispatches channel um, on the 21st of December. That's a Tuesday evening, 7.30 UK time. Uh, but if you're unable to attend the live stream, then uh, that's okay. We'll be having competitions where you can enter before and we'll judge and announce the winners during the party. It'll be here with the Brit Bengers, uh, and you will hear more about it on the channel going forwards. But something else, even better than that, um, is Vespa Life. This is Clayne's website, and this is this is Clayne. So if you want to hear more about his story, he's got a book that is currently being edited called Echoes of Resounding Love, which is Klein's biography, where he goes through, we've just scratched the surface. Uh, I'm looking forward to this book coming out in 2022, so we can we can go through that with him. Uh, and maybe even if you've got time, Klein, get you back to, um, and we, we can do a book review and yeah, um, I'm looking forward that to that. That would be amazing. All uh, right. But if you do want to know more, head over to Clayne's website, vasperlife.com, um, where there's just more of the, the amazing insights and just, just truth, you know, straight up truth and straight speaking that we've had in the last hour. So yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, everyone, right. for being here. Uh, thank you for your messages in the chat. Clean, thank you again. Yeah, thanks everybody. I appreciate the opportunity, awesome. Petey. No, that's great. Um, and we'll uh, see you next week. Uh, everyone stay safe and happy Thanksgiving for yesterday. See ya.